This is a good story. It's hard to find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yes. And we're going to head to Northern Africa. <laughs> yes. It's a very exotic place where a lot of people wear fezes. That's right. <laughs> and white suits. There is a lot of fez wearing. And yes. then a lot of very homely people that hang out there and and in a bar. <laughs> You have, to, you, you have to have the average man, too, as well as the beautiful people. <laughs> oh, man, too fun. <laughs> Casablanca. Oh, too fun. But, uh, but yeah, this is, this is such a good movie. Um, gosh, when was it made? Um, 1942. Yeah, so it came, yeah. So right in, right in during the war, that was something that was interesting that um, – I had read about it while uh, just poking around, looking at stuff. Yeah, I mean, World War II was in full motion, you know, and um, they, I read that they rushed it out a little bit because of things that were actually happening in North Africa at the time. And the, it, okay. it, the timing was good. So they, they, uh, they rushed it out. Well, and it's one of those things where Japan attacked Pearl Harbor and then the studios all started racing to get their patriotic pictures into production. And so uh, this was a play originally that a couple had gone to Germany in 1938 and they visited Vienna shortly after the Anschluss, which was the German takeover of Austria. And they couldn't believe the anti-Semitism they saw. And then they were in the south of France and they went to a nightclub that had a multinational uh, clientele and among them were a lot of exiles and refugees and also somebody who was a lot like Sam the piano player. So they took all that and wove it into a war movie slash love story. And so two weeks after Pearl Harbor, um, Warner Brothers said this was a done deal even before the contracts were signed with the authors to get their play. Yeah. They're like, we're making this. And to me, um, if you most people have encountered this movie before, even if it's just the three-fourths of the dialogue that has become famous <laughs> quotes. <laughs> so yes. Like, yeah. Thing after thing after thing. What really adds an extra layer is when you realize it was made in 1942 and no one knew how the war was going to come out. Mm. And America had been isolationist. So there's all these little comments dropped through the movie about, you know, you can't be an isolationist forever, Rick. <laughs> it's like, you know, somebody, Major Strausa, I think, is talking about the Americans and Captain Renault says, we mustn't underestimate American blundering. I was with them when they blundered their way into Berlin in 1918. So there's, when you're not really paying attention if you don't know these things, and then you just go, oh, this is immediate to them in a way I never thought about, you know. And um, there's a very famous scene where there's a duel between some German officers singing their mm. a very big German national song. And Victor Laszlo, the freedom fighter, goes, play La Marseillaise. And everyone <laughs> in the bar stands up and starts belting it out. And there's tears in their eyes. And um, maybe you know this also, but almost all those people were actual refugees from Europe. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes, they were all hired as extras. So when those people are all singing and have tears in their eyes, that emotion is real because they don't know how it's going to go. Wow. They're expressing current emotions of the time. Wow. 
And there's a quote from somebody who's just there like filming or something who said he looked at it and suddenly went, oh, wait a minute. This is real. This is happening right now. Mm. So um, there's that historical layer that you don't think about because now it's just a classic. Yeah, that's that's an amazing thing. Um, and, and yeah, when you look at Humphrey Bogart's character in that light, um, yeah, he's definitely representing the United States in a way in those positions. Oh, yeah. You know, being asked uh, by a German, you know, which side are you on anyway, pretty much. And yeah. he's like, uh, you know, he just, you know, d- does these, these um, I don't know. I don't uh, pick sides. Yeah, he, he's not picking sides, but the lines are like snarky. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so he's not like, I'm a friend of yours. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> but he's no. like, not going to say, you guys are going down. Um, I don't like anyone. Right. Well, yeah. and so I guess everybody's seen it, right? Do we need to I do think so. a yeah. summary? Yeah. Do you, do you think we need a quick summary? Um, I don't know that uh, we're worried about spoilers. All but. these refugees are in, um, mm-hmm. is it Morocco? Yeah, Morocco. Which is where Casablanca is. So you've got the desert, you've got the exotic romantic idea when you're just looking at the big map where they're putting the dotted lines and things just like they did. And... Um, but when you see the reality of it, it's these outdoor cafes and bazaars and pickpockets. And the place is just loaded with refugees who've all uh, come from Europe, war-torn Europe, and the Germans are invading everywhere. Yeah, and they're trying and just, to get to Portugal, which is a right. place from which they can get to the United States. Right. So this is they're all kind of bottled up there because it's hard to get these exit visas and to have enough money to get out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the places they all gather is Rick's Cafe American, which is almost its own character, really. <laughs> uh, it's so iconic. Mm-hmm. And um, Rick, who we meet later, is indeed the about the only American we meet, I think. And he's, he's uh, cynical. He's neutral. He doesn't really care about anyone or anything. Uh, and we'll talk about if that's really true <laughs> in a little while. But um, as, and he's got his loyal friend, Sam, who is the uh, black uh, piano player, but you can see they're actually really friends. Mm. And um, then you meet some of the characters in the bar as things go on. And then Victor Laszlo and his wife show up. And Victor Laszlo is a world famous freedom fighter who's been in concentration camps and is on the run from the Nazis and barely staying ahead of them. And um, everything revolves around, it's kind of the MacGuffin, really, the Hitchcock term for everybody wants this, but it doesn't really matter, which is these two letters of transit that were stolen from German murdered couriers. And if you have these letters of transit, you just have to write your name in and you can get out. It's a get out of jail free card. Mm -hmm. So everyone's trying to get these, including Victor Laszlo. And I think we can leave it there. And there's a romantic entanglement. Of course. Yes. And Rick's past shows up. A romantic entanglement. <laughs> yes. And so it yep. is just, um, it's a classic. And it's a funny thing because this is one of those movies, you know, there's a lot of ideas in film and, and maybe even in, well, no, mostly film, I guess, that, you know, of the auteur, the mm-hmm. one author, yeah. that takes one mastermind to put things together and to have the vision to make something really matter. And it's so good. And we've seen that with Christopher Nolan and all these other directors and writers, but this thing was cobbled together. The script pages were completed minutes before cameras rolled. A lot of the time 
there were like four different script writers listed because they kept having to go back and rewrite pieces of it, especially the ending. Mm. And um, the actors themselves didn't know how it was going to end. So that contributed to their performances because they were just having to be in the moment. Um, and, and they kept recasting things as, you know, right up to the last moment before they went. So this is one of those pieces that says sometimes a beautiful thing just comes together just right. Yeah. 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 There were, uh, I read something that said how surprised, um, they were, they being actors and crew that it was such a huge hit. Oh, really? You know, so it, it was just like this was one of several things that they had going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was just like, you know, let's roll these things out. And then they just made an absolute gem in, you know, amongst the average ones. Right. And you can never tell when that's really going to happen. And you look at some of the other ones and you go, oh, yeah, it's not quite all the way there. And this one came together. I mean, Max Steiner did the music. And But even then, his hands were tied because he, somebody else had started the music before he got there. And so this, some of it had been filmed. Mm. So he had to use someone else's music. He didn't want to use. Uh, so that's where La Marseillaise got thrown in so many places when he was like, fine, we're <laughs> just putting this in. Uh, so anyway, yeah. um, but it all is just wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's so very good. Um, and in that yeah. sense, I guess it's like, they were operating amidst the chaos of trying to get something done. Yeah. In the movie, they're operating amidst the chaos of trying to achieve some goals. Mm -hmm. And isn't that like our lives? <laughs> so we don't much. know what's going on. You look at it later and go, was it a masterpiece? Yeah. Oh, how'd that happen? <laughs> you know? oh, I love that. I love that thought. I That's mean, fun. you look at the times we live in right now and um, you just go, everything is just so messed up. Mm -hmm. And um, it's funny because I had my mom at a doctor's yesterday and we're chatting with the doctor and he is just gloomy and down and everything's awful. And I was like, what? No, <laughs> we've got the COVID vaccine. We, you know, all these things are happening. And he's just mm -hmm. looking at me like... I'm an idiot or where did you come mm -hmm. from? Yeah. And I, was, I just thought, Oh, I'm, I'm so glad I'm an idiot then. Cause I'd rather <laughs> not know about what's depressing you so much, oh but my it's gosh. the chaos of our lives and yeah, our times. Right. Right. And some of it is invited in, isn't it? You yeah. know, I think about that sometimes it's like, you know, if, if you don't watch cable news every day, um, things are actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot of mine, my, <laughs> my attitude. <laughs> Tra la. <laughs> what happened? You oh. Bet. oh, too fun, too fun. Oh, so yeah, goodness. I read. You know, to to kind of feed into what you're saying, um, I also read that Ingrid Bergman had asked the director, "Which of these two guys do I love more?" And he had to say, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Love them both equally." Yeah. Right. And uh, so that, that was the direction she was given because they didn't know what the end was going to be until right. they shot it. Right. They were writing and rewriting up to the last minute because the studio frankly refused what with the Hayes Code and all to uh, have her stay with Rick because she was married to another man. Oh, wow. But they kept going, we can't figure out how to make it work. It's Her staying with Rick is what, what's right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we all feel it. Yeah. They're like, but how do you make it work? And of course, you look at that, and to me, the themes, and I, I, these themes are obvious selfishness versus self sacrifice. Yeah. And 
allowing yourself to wallow in your hurt feelings and, and letting everything affect you so deeply without trying to look outside of yourself. And, um, but until I was watching it and thinking about us talking about it from a faith-based, life-based point of view, those themes didn't loom quite as large to me. Mm. I mean, they're clearly there. Yeah. But at one point, I hadn't really noticed when Ilsa goes, don't be so selfish. Mm. Think about somebody else. You know, you're not the only one who was upset. And that's when he's sitting there drinking in the dark and she yeah. comes in and yeah. he's like, oh, yeah. And he's just zinging her one thing after <laughs> another because he's so mad and hurt. Yeah, they, but they, uh, I mean, that, that was just a perfect ending. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it does say a lot, you know, to a faith-based person. You know, it's like, you know, we see all around us all the time people who forge forward with relationships that just damage so many people around them. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And it's just reckless abandon in the name of whatever. They're thinking of this larger good, which happens to be a war. <laughs> right. You know, which is huge, but it's still, the, it's the same thing. It's like, well, Bishop Barron always says, you know, your life is not your own. You try not to look oh, at your yeah. life as this project, you know. It's not about you. It's not about you, right. And um, and to have that recognition from, you know, these characters is really something. Rick especially. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's his movie. I mean, it's his journey because... And, you know, you know, they, two different people quote to him, you, you were, or maybe three, you were in all these different conflicts, you know, kind of as a mercenary, I suppose, (laughs) but you were always on the losing side, which was the right side, the underdog side, which is America loves an underdog, you know? (laughs) And he's like, oh, you know, they paid well, they whatever. So he had his Mm. reasons, but every time in his neutral, I don't care about anyone moments, you see him turning away the Deutsche Banker. So he's German. He's like, I can get into anywhere. Well, you can't get into here. Right. This is private. Yeah. Or the uh, young Belgian girl who uh, is going to uh, go to bed, obviously, with Captain Renault in order to get the visas for her and her husband of eight weeks to get out. And she's like, but what if the girl did a very bad thing, but she never told because she did it because she loved him so much that she wanted to just all good for him. Hmm. And she locked it in her heart and never said. And then of course he goes in and makes sure that the husband wins at Mm. roulette. Yeah. That was Um, pretty good stuff, you know? So yeah, he, he was taking sides. Yeah. He, he clearly, he, it was in very small ways and watching Carl, who is one of my favorite characters, the German waiter, the little, uh, (laughs) I guess he must've been Austrian Mm -hmm. waiter. Um, uh, just hugging himself behind the pillar <laughs> as he watches, going, oh, oh. And then he tells uh, Sasha, the bartender, yeah. who gives Rick a big hug and kiss. <laughs> and Rick's like, come oh. on, come on. Yeah, yeah that was nothing. Go away. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened. It's fine. Right. Yeah. Um, I like the, you know, Rick just... Again, you know, this is part of the neutrality thing, you know, but they ask him, you know, why, how did you end up in here, here anyways? You know, he said, well, I came because of the, you know, the, of the water, he said, didn't he? <laughs> he was yeah. like, for my health, I wanted to be near the water. And they're like, well, this is a desert. <laughs> says, I was misinformed. I was misinformed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Good the stuff. The dialogue was so good. I've never heard mm. such polite insults used. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's so well phrased between him and the German major. That kind of thing. Um, And one of the things you're saying about the neutrality is 
nobody really can be totally neutral. Mm-hmm. Everybody's taken a side. Yeah. And, you know, it really pops to the fore in that duel I mentioned before the of, of the songs. But everybody there is um, sharply aware that the Germans are coming, the Germans are in power. What do you have to do to get away or get by? Mm. Or they're on their side. Right. Yeah. And, you, you know, you had to take a side. How could you be neutral? No. And... I think that's one of the things that's kind of interesting is watching all those people all swirling together, having to be very careful around each other. And and at one point they do a, a panning through the bar, so to speak, or a little montage of all the different people at tables, all arranging different things or talking in whispers about other stuff. Mm. And it's all the different representations of the kinds of people that are there. And isn't that kind of like today? I mean, this movie has a lot of modern resonance, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Everybody feels so strongly about things. Mm-hmm. And yet they're having to be so careful. Yeah, true. And, and yeah, some people are not very careful. <laughs> no. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, but I hear you. It's, and, um, you know, this, you, you could look at it too. You know, that room, they're panning around the room and, um, you know, during a song or something. And you're seeing all these groups of people you know, in conversation with each other, um, all kinds of secrets and all kinds of fear and all kinds of anxiety mm-hmm. and everything like that. That just reminds me of, you know, all of us on, on the internet, <laughs> you know, in our <laughs> own little, on our I phones or right. whatever. It's like everybody's staring at their phone. Um, yeah, but it's, it just, um, it does have this modern resonance. Um, but it's, it's heightened by this world war two, you know, that, um, that this came out in 1942 colored how I watched it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, wow, this was like right while everything was going on. And yeah. Um, so, and so the Germans yeah. were taking over and they had and they were, overrun right? Paris mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it was very uh, modern and, you know, and also think of all those refugees. So the place is just loaded with refugees. Mm-hmm. And today we've got a refugee problem. Yeah, And maybe I'm more aware of it because I'm in Texas where Governor Abbott's continually going, and this, take this, Joe Biden, mm-hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of rhetoric flying back and forth. Yeah. And, um, mm. but you still wouldn't make a movie. <laughs> I mean, this, <laughs> this movie's real relevant from that point of view, but you still wouldn't make a movie today about refugees that has the resonance of Casablanca, I don't think. Yeah, I'm not sure you would either. And Hollywood tries all the time. You know, I'm sure somebody's working on something. <laughs> you know but what I mean? It, yeah, it, but it's so serious. It is very, so very, right? Deadly yeah. serious. Like, we, we're we going to tell you, this is how it is, you dummies. You know, you don't yeah. get that it's so serious. And we're Casablanca. We already know it's serious. They know the audience knows it's serious. And so that's where... Uh, it's lightened up by the songs, mm-hmm, the bar mm-hmm. atmosphere. I mean, the people who seem secure are the employees, and that's because Rick has his umbrella thrown over them. They still have to be careful, but they don't have the same feeling as everyone else. Mm. They have that trust, yeah. essentially, yeah. that you know they're a group. Rick's, Rick's got it for them, yeah. and. Um, so much so that when Carl's leaving one night, he goes, and so then I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to this meeting. Don't tell me where you're going, says Rick. So you know he's going to like a Freedom Fighter meeting or something. Yeah, right. Um, and just talking about that, I'm thinking, again, I realize this is a stretch, but this is a Catholic podcast. It's like 
in that sense, um, your faith. Mm-hmm. You know, th- times are uncertain, but who do you trust to get you through it? Mm-hmm. You have to trust in somebody who's got more authority, more knowledge, mm-hmm. can navigate those shoals better than you can. <laughs> Right, and that's, yeah. you know, uh, in, in this sense, it's the Catholic Church in a lot of ways because they're the ones who are trying to help us get to heaven. Yeah. You know, without looking at other, you know, individuals and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to look at it, you know, because, you know, Rick's got his place. And then um, I can't remember the name of the fellow who's got the other place who tried to hire Sam. Oh, um, Sydney Greenstreet is the actor, and I, I yeah. can't remember his name. And we actually it's Ferrari. got to, yeah, Ferrari, <laughs> right? And we actually got to see his place in a scene. Yeah, and it's nothing like Rick's, you know. And um, he wants to be Rick. Yes, it's like he's creating his own thing, but he wants to be the Rick in his own thing. But there's only one Rick. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, talking about stretching a metaphor out, but it, it's like, it's like, um, it's, it's really oh, something man. to kind of look at that way. You That's know? good, Scott. I like that. <laughs> when you put your trust in, well, there's only one safe place, really. <laughs> one, there's only one Rick. There's only one Rick. I'll right. stick with the Cafe Roma, I guess. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, it's funny how, um, Ferrari wants to be Rick's really bad. I mean, it's, it's obvious. He comes in mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm super rich and, you know, I want to be like you and I'm going to buy this stuff, you know, and I'm yeah. going to go try to hire Sam. And and Rick's like, sure, go ahead, try, give it a shot. Yeah. You know, and Rick, and Sam's like, nope. Yeah. I'm not I'm even here. interested. Yeah. Yeah. Rick and I, we've been through it. We're That's buddies. That's right. He's, he's loyal to Rick. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. And especially after you've seen the scenes in Paris, you realize he's not just an employee. He is a friend. Yeah, he is, right. No. Absolutely. So he brought him the note from Ilsa. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And that, you know, Ilsa's great too. Standing in the rain with the letters. Yeah. Melting away as if it was tears. (laughs) What? Yeah. I love all that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Ilsa, you know, we get to see that flashback, you know, with Ilsa and Rick in Paris and... Um, Rick is happy. Yeah, he's very happy. Yeah, different. Plays very differently. And then uh, of all the gin joints and all the places, you know, how did she show up at mine? You know, that was a really cool thing, too. You know, so she shows up. It's just kind of random chance. Yeah, she's like, she if shows I up in you his place. Here, yeah. I would never have come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was well, random- it was very oh, well played. It was It was just very well played. Very well written. I mean, I, I, it's hard to say well-written, you know, because it, it was done just, it was like laying the tracks while the train's moving. Yeah, but, but it doesn't mean it wasn't well-written. No, it doesn't mean, and the dialogue is really, really good. Oh, it's crackling. Um, and then a mm. lot of the times, too, though, whoever was writing it was obviously picking up what was done before and looking at it and tying things back in together. Mm. Because when you look at what that little uh, Bulgarian girl well, little Bulgarian girl, young married woman says about, you know, if she did something bad and never told. Yeah. Uh, but it was for the good of this person. Mm-hmm. Um, that's essentially foreshadowing of what Ilsa did to Rick. Right. We just didn't know that at that moment. Yeah. yeah. He didn't know at that moment. And she comes to try to tell him, but he's so blackly upset and mad at her and hurt and angry and drunk that, mm. you know, he can't hear it until later. Right. Yeah. And when he does, 
then he understands her pain and anguish. And, you know, and the thing is, is she didn't handle it right. She should have told him, but she was also young, hit by all these things she didn't expect Mm -hmm. in her own pain. And so um, that's also goes along with the idea that, you know, Rick wasn't wrong to be upset and hurt. And even, you know, in striking out, you can't always help how you react. When you've been upset for a year or however long it was since they last saw each other, he had no explanation. He didn't know what to think. Mm-hmm. I don't blame him for being so mean. Yeah. I blame her for not trying harder to tell him. Yeah. But eventually you have to open up. You have to let something in. And that's what's able to happen through this whole story. He goes from shutting the world out and just looking out for himself because he's the only one he can trust and maybe Sam mm-hmm. to being able to be open to feel someone else's hurt and understand it to think about bigger issues because those, those ways of listening to Ilsa help him be able to see the bigger picture for the world for Victor Laszlo, her husband. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a really interesting struggle inside himself between, you know, what he wants and understanding of another person. Right. So it's like, he's, he's in love with Elsa and he, he wants her clearly. Right. But -hmm. at the same time, he's mad at her and doesn't understand her. And only, only in the understanding does the anger get to go away. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, he's still angry at the situation, even at the very end, I feel like, but he's, he's like, he's, he's done the thing. And then, now he's like free, right? They talk about right. that, that freedom of um, letting those things go. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, you could see from the look on his face, I mean, the acting in this, I, I guess because they don't know what's going to happen. So it is great. But when Ilsa is in his apartment and says, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. You have to think for the both of us. So she's turning over complete authority to him. Mm-hmm. He is now free to think about all the angles and what all of it means. And it would be easy for him to say, that's fine. You know, the plan that he tells her they're going to do, we're just going to send Victor off by himself. You're going to stay with me. Mm -hmm. But he's then free to go, but what about this? But what about that? No one knows more what it would mean than him having that cafe and seeing all those people. Right. And having that override your uh, urges and instinct. Yes. is a great thing. It's something that uh, I don't, it's that that's something that the modern world needs to know more. <laughs> that Using your reason you, and will. Right. You know, because there are greater goods and, mm-hmm. um, and uh, too many people seem to be just about themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when they're trying to understand what other people want and help them with it, they're only doing it from their own point of view. Mm-hmm. They're not looking at everything and really trying to get an understanding of all the context. They're going, I have one point of view, this is it, which was Rick. Mm -hmm. I have one point of view. I got left uh, on the train at the train station, man. Yeah. Right. And that's what what the church teaches, right? You know, I'm not claiming that I'm perfect at that. Oh, no. um, But it's like that's what we're taught to do is um, there's greater things. 
And the times I've been able to do it, um, again, because like you, not perfect, but when I've been able to do it and aware, it has been so um, healing for me. And also, it does make life better. Mm-hmm. Even though Rick's going off at the end, and I don't know if I think he's angry. I know he's he's not happy. You know, he's he's going to suffer because he'll miss her and he loves her and everything. But when he's going off, he now has Captain Renault, his new fr- buddy for the French <laughs> Foreign Legion. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He'll throw himself into the fight with a new purpose. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with that. But yeah, unhappy with the situation may be a better right. way to say it. But, right. But yeah, I mean, all the way to the end, he's not... He's not thrilled with what he's doing, but he's doing it. Well, and so um, one of the things that I came across that I thought was really kind of interesting to think about when we're talking about being selfish and acting just on self-interest, you've got two people in this movie who are very likable in different ways, but who both act the same way, and that's Rick and Captain Renault who Claude Rains has never been more wonderful. <laughs> My gosh. Um, and Renault just wants to keep his position as a captain. And Rick just wants to keep running his saloon. I stick my neck out for no one. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of wonder, is Renault what Rick would have become in later years if Ilsa had never come back? Hmm. Maybe. You don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't know what made Renault be so um, self-interested and uh, casual and, you know, he's going to exploit every beautiful woman he comes across in order to, you know, I've got exit visas. You spend the night with me. Mm-hmm. Not said so crudely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. And in the end, what happens is they both have to take a stand yeah. The battle between right and wrong is personal and it's right there in front of them and they can't ignore it. Yeah. And they're kind of on the same side. Yeah, they're <laughs> absolutely on the same side. Renault's mm-hmm. like, okay, fine. And it's funny because I saw something that said, well, Renault has to go to the French Foreign Legion because otherwise he'll get caught. No, he won't. He sent out people to round up the usual suspects. <laughs> <laughs> I Major Strauss is yeah. <laughs> everybody does. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, somebody's dead. Oh, just gather the usual people. Round up the usual suspects. <laughs> yeah, that's a. I, I'm, I, you know, the, uh, watching it this time. I mean, there's so many just famous lines like, you know, Claude Rains. Uh, I'm shocked that there's gambling going on in this establishment. I mean, that's a that's that's awesome. You know, and the, these are coming from here. So yeah. I wonder if you know. Uh, go ahead and gather all the usual suspects. I wonder if that's been had been used before. If that this is the origin of that because no, this is the origin of uh, that. The yeah. the only mo- line I read about that had been used anywhere else was "Here's looking at you, kid." Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And it had been used by Bogart in one previous movie that nobody remembers, mm. and he threw it in mm. in the Paris scenes, and they liked it so much they had him do it again at the end. So they kept it. <laughs> Very good. I stick my neck out for nobody is another yeah. one that he, he yeah. repeated. Yeah. When I love Renault, you're pointing that gun at my least vulnerable spot, my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just so many. That's not one that's quoted, but I just heard it and I was like, he knows himself so well. He's mm-hmm. like, I am not sentimental. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't think you're going to get me with any of this stuff. <laughs> 
Um, oh, shoot. Yeah. And Renault, uh, in talking to Rick, he's, he's asking Rick, um, why don't you return to America, you know? He's like, did you abscond with church funds? Yeah. <laughs> that was good. And then he said, did you run away with a senator's wife? And then he said, I like to think you killed a man. Yeah. It's the romantic in me. I love it. I mean, it was just great. And, uh, and then Rick and, said it was all three. Yeah. <laughs> what I like is they kept trying to think of a reason for him to not be able to go back and they couldn't. So they just left it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's funny. Uh, something I read in Roger Ebert's review that I'd never thought about was that the major characters, none of them are bad. Hmm. Or, yeah, totally mm-hmm. bad. It says some are cynical, some lie, some kill, but all are redeemed. Mm. And I was thinking, well, no, because there's Peter Laurie's character, but he's not major. Yeah. He's he's horrible and sleazy and everything else. I mean, he's just so good in his part. And then yeah. Major Strasse is, of course, the evil Nazi. Um, interesting side note on that actor. He was a German Jew who escaped from Germany before mm. World War II. And he had relatives who died in concentration camps. So he was really often typecast as a German officer like that. Mm. And he would do it provided it was very clear the officer was bad. He's like, we're not having any of these suave, maybe they're okay people. Mm-hmm. No, they're evil or nothing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I, I'll do it, but I'm making a point. Yeah. Right. How about that? Yeah, which I thought was kind of, and he was paid more than um, I think anybody else in the movie. Really? Yeah, hmm. which is really funny. It tells you that Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman were stars, but not maybe the best agents. Or <laughs> mm. yeah, how fascinating! Yeah, and, and you know, re- this oh, is ahead. like a studio movie, right? Um, oh yeah, just, so they just threw it together. Just remembering, you know, so they were they paid by the movie, or was it like they had a yearly salary? I don't or know. Something like that? They were just made depend. as many movies as they could, or whatever. I just think it depended. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because when when you say studio, I remember you know they used to say, well, he's under contract for the studio, and mm-hmm. the studio system is you'd be under contract to somebody. And I think it depended if you were a bit player, you know, you might be paid. You, I think they might have all been paid by the movie, but your contracts were like you're only going to work for us and the big stars too. But they would trade you around. Mm, okay, you know they would they would you could ask. I would like this person, and then the contracts would all be renegotiated, not because they were only on loan, hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and it would probably depend on each person and how well they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're Humphrey Bogart and your early career is you're the second gunman from the left in this gangster movie, your contract is real different than the guy who's um, just been in Casablanca that did unexpectedly well. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um yeah, so would they have tryouts and stuff, or they were just like the well, casting, they'd have casting calls yeah, just to so, have people okay. read the parts and see if they'd be good at it? But that's the director choosing which of these stars he wants to have in it and who's available. Yeah, how's the scheduling going? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like working in a big company. Yeah, like at your that's kind of what I thought of, like of at it your like. community college, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we need to add this class. Mm-hmm. Well, these two teachers might be good at it. Let's talk about which one. Yeah, for sure. And what mm-hmm. other thing do they teach that we can't let them out of? What schedule can they? I mean, it's that kind of a thing, I think. And yeah. maybe because they're teaching an extra class, they make more? I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's um, just fascinating. I mean, it, it does seem different today. I mean, especially with the bigger movies, which like you know these companies that arise out of out of nowhere, multi million dollar companies that last for however long it takes to make the movie, and then they fold. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the way it seems to me. It's like well, financing, casting. boom, boom, boom. You know, and the director yeah. is like a CEO practically. But I guess maybe is the producer the CEO? That's not true. That's okay. the producer. Yes, okay. the director is the artistic guy, and the producer is the money man. And okay. the organ and there's there are the executive producers. They're the money men, and maybe the mm-hmm. names. And then there are the regular. There's oh gosh, I can't remember the name. It's like I think it's often called associate producer or some other kind of producer. They're the ones who are the workhorses. They're getting the scheduling. Mm. They're coordinating with all the different people on how Massive things are coming. How's the casting? Do we yeah. have all these things set? Um, the yeah. director is the one who's working with that person going, but we have to have this actor. And mm. I think a lot of the artistic choices are, you know, there's there are people who do casting. Mm-hmm. You know, we need somebody like this and this and this. Oh, but I also know someone like that. But there are also (laughs) directors who are friends with stars or star. I mean, you know, it's a whole different. You can't compare them. Hmm. They're nothing alike than they used to be. Um, But I wanted to go back to this idea that everybody's redeemed. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, That's also the other thing these days you don't get to see. Mm -hmm. There's the idea that to give everyone redemption is cheating. It's kind of like that idea of the happy ending is is not realistic, but a depressing ending is realistic. Hmm. You that, know what that's I mean? An, right? Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, on that, I, I don't agree with that, but yeah, but I think that's your point, right? You don't agree with my point, or you don't agree with? I don't agree with um, the fact. I, I agree with your point that that's what some folks think, but I don't agree with. The <laughs> a oh, happy, with, with it could be a happy or a sad ending. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly, because mm-hmm. my life has had many, many happy endings. Yes, it has. That's realistic, that and is that's realistic. why we. Yeah. That's why that's what we want. Mm-hmm. We all want the happy ending. Yeah, and and so it's funny because it's not a happy ending. It is. It is the right ending. Mm-hmm. And it is the redeemed ending. All these people are redeemed so they can go on and have better lives doing something that's bigger than their selfish needs. And sometimes, you know, I'm not saying being in love is a selfish need. Mm-hmm. It depends. But sometimes you get both. Most of us get both. Right. Yeah. But sometimes, like in this movie, there's something bigger and that's where you're getting the example again of the self-sacrifice and redemption. Yeah. Which, of course, is very Christian theme. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that's interesting. You know, I'm I'm thinking about the thought that everybody was redeemed. You know, I also, guess you know Captain Renault, sure. Captain Renault, yeah. Rick, Rick, yeah. Um, you know, Sam is is not really minor, but he's not really major, and he's not there to be changed. Mm-hmm. He's always a good guy. Yeah. He's always trying to help Sam. I mean, Rick, <laughs> whichever <laughs> person that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ilsa. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she knows that she and Rick still love each other, but she also, you can see from the look on her face that Marseillaise versus the German song scene does so much. You see Victor's innate leadership just through his instincts and his charisma and his strength. He right. won't back down. It's like, it's like that's the moment you understand her feelings for him. 
Yes, for and Laszlo. you also understand, yeah. as Major Strasse says, this is why he's so dangerous. If he can do this in a bar, what will he do on the loose? Yeah, right. And he's inspiring everyone. But mm. you see, the look on Ilse's face is so full of love and pride and um, this just this expression of everything that he's doing. Mm. She's like the epitome of reacting to that. Mm. So you see that she really can love him in a different way that she loves Rick. Mm. It's that idealism where she says, I thought I loved him. Then I met you and I knew what real love was. Mm. It's a different thing. But so it was two different kinds of love. And sometimes you have to let the personal love go so that you can live up to the idealistic love. Mm. Yeah. And we see examples of that. Um, It's not often put up as, it's put up as a general ideal that's nice but without practicing the virtues or going through maybe some of the suffering that they both did, uh, she and Rick, in order to see who they really are, um, sometimes you have to hit the bottom, you know? Sure, yeah. Yeah, that's that's really well put, you know. But you're right, you know, that, that moment in the in the bar with the, the duel of the songs. You're right, that scene did so much. It did a lot. It may have uh, increased um, Rick's understanding, too. Right, you and know, Rick lets him do it. Yeah, yeah. They look at Rick. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Right. Because he hates what Major Strauss and the guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. That is a good, you know, because that would have that would have helped him along the way to where he ended up at the end. Right. We're mm-hmm. watching his journey of redemption, but everybody else is kind of, they're all on their own paths. I mean, Victor Laszlo is interesting because he's, He's almost more of a symbol than a character, but he himself, he understands Ilsa, that little scene in the bedroom where he's saying, were you lonely in Paris? Mm. He knows she she and Rick had a thing going. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I know what it's like to be lonely. So he's totally understanding. Right, yeah. He's, he loves her so much, but he's not going to be unrealistic about what another person might go through and the temptations they might face. Mm-hmm. And the struggles they have afterwards. And in that sense, it's almost a bit of a confessional scene. Is there anything you want to tell me? No. Mm-hmm. Cause she's still dealing with things. Right. She doesn't know what she thinks herself or yeah. she won't let herself think it. Yeah. And that was an interesting thing that, you know, Rick told him on the tarmac too, mm-hmm. you know, about them too, you know, he, he was basically, there was a little confession scene. Um, yeah. Yeah. He just, he just says, she lied to me. She said she still loved me. It wasn't true, of course. She had mm-hmm. the gun. She, And mm-hmm. I was thinking about that this morning, thinking, why did he do that? And I guess it's just so in case there's ever a slip. There's nothing Maybe to worry so, about. Maybe so, but it was like, you know, he he cleared up their relationship, you know? It's like yeah. he sent Ilsa away free. He was freeing you know, himself, too. You know, he freed them both. <laughs> and he said, you're not going to have this secret in between you two. And he sent Victor away confident. Right, exactly. He fixed them and um, let it go. You know, so everybody left with freedom. Yeah, through personal sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. And because it's interesting because, you know, that last scene on the tarmac with her, and of course, is, you know, one memorable line after another. But when he's like, you're part of what Victor does, you're the one personal thing he's got mm-hmm. his love for you is part of all of this 
you know, if, if, if that's taken away, then he's not going to be a whole man and he can't really do everything he needs to do. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting to look at that and think about the sacrifices people make in their real lives. This of course is all heightened and it's dramatic Mm -hmm. and it's wonderful. And you're like, Oh, I get it. Oh, (laughs) Um, but you think about in your own life, you know, my sacrifices are very rarely on that level. I mean, you know, (laughs) never on that level, but you know, I've had sacrifices that have been big personal things. Um, Mm. but most of ours are smaller. Right. Yeah. But we still fight them, and we have to fight ourselves yeah, all the time. We fight them all the time, yeah. And you know, uh, we can let them become big deals, you know. <laughs> yes, it's like, you know, when, when you make a sacrifice and you're dealing with something that's ongoing because of a sacrifice you made, it's, you know, you, it can become a big deal. You right. Know, you've got to let it not be. And often when I'm kind of wrangling with myself over it and I'm really upset and mad and everything, is when I realize, and maybe it's through the grace of God, uh, that these are, first of all, the times I'm closer to God, because mm-hmm. I can't count on myself. And second of all, they're the times that I'm like Rick, I'm thinking about myself, my hurt feelings, my, uh, you know, what's, have my toes been stepped on? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the thing where you can, like, you know, set that load down in the road, and then you run back and pick it right back up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, yeah. um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, yeah, it's cool to think about it in this light. Uh, It's it's opened that up some more. Well, Um, because you also have to deal with stuff. Rick was the way he was. You know, Sam's going, oh, no, oh, no, there's trouble. Here's Miss Ilsa. (laughs) And uh, you go away. You're bad luck for him. Right. And of course nobody's yeah. bad luck for anybody, but mm-hmm. like you said, we didn't we'd lost Paris until you came back, she said, and said I'd never leave you. And he said, Yes. It's one thing if it's a mutual sacrifice of ourselves. It's another thing if I'm being rejected for no reason. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing that's so hard for any of us to take. And that's why you have to try to make things right. That's the Forgive somebody seven times, 70 times, as Jesus told Peter. Yeah, right. Because it's in the trying to do that that you're forced to have to deal with somebody sometimes. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, it's the, that freedom thing. You know, imagine if Laszlo was furious at the end. Oh, yeah. You know, he's just absolutely furious over what happened. Um, but yet, because he's forgiving, it's it's the freedom, right? So he's free, he's free. Elsa's free. Rick's free. But right. if uh, you know, if he's angry and furious, now things are a mess. You know, now yeah. uh, everybody is not free. Everybody's got things to deal with. Well, and even on a lesser level, but equally important to this character is Captain Renault. He's always talking about the Vichy government. So the Vichy government in France was the one that the Germans endorsed Mm. after they took over. Mm -hmm. So Vichy France was bad. And he was always talking about, well, you know, Vichy France, I obey what they say. And um, Major Strauss says, and what if Vichy France wasn't there? And he goes, oh, I can't believe you'd even say such a thing. That's not even imaginable to a German, is it? And so he turns it aside. But at the end, he's drinking, he's opening that bottle of Vichy water, Mm -hmm. which is a different kind of Vichy. It's a Mm -hmm. location. And so 
Um, and he looks at it and gets this look on his face and he throws it in the trash. He's like, I'm done with being tied to that government currying favor mm-hmm. in order to maintain my position. No, I've had it. Hmm. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And those are the attachments that we have to throw off, you know, the yeah. the things that make life comfortable and mm. nice, but they're not worth much. Right. When compared to something else. Yeah. And it, yeah, sometimes it takes a lot to show us what those things are. Right. Yeah. Big stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. This is cool that all this is in here. Um. Yeah, and and then it's it's funny at times as well. <laughs> you oh, were saying, <laughs> you know, one of the things I wanted to make sure I said was how much I got a kick out of you know when Ilsa and Rick are talking, and Ilsa says something like, "Can I tell you a story?" And he says, "Has it got a good ending?" And she <laughs> says, "I don't know the ending yet." <laughs> you know, and then yeah. he says, "Well, go on, tell it. Maybe the ending will occur to you as we move along." And, uh, you know, I just can imagine just a writer just laughing at himself as he's writing that. Or I have no idea what's happening right now. I have no right idea now. what's going on. <laughs> but in well, the context and, of knowing some of this stuff, it's just too funny. Oh, yeah. Well, and you're mm. right. It's so it's meta in that sense right, um, when yeah. you know behind the scenes. Well, and the other thing, and this kind of goes back to when I was saying, you know, would they make a movie that had this tone about – let's look at the refugees of Mexico mm-hmm. or whatever it is, you know, or yeah. some Syria trying to get out of Syria and all this stuff. And it's like, this movie is so much fun mm, and yeah. it's all the sparkling dialogue. It's all the, what's the styles. It's the feel of the thing, mm-hmm. but it's also, there's so many little humorous moments in it. And you, uh, I want you to, to go through the dialogue if you've got it of the one that you were uh, emailing me earlier this week. You have uh, it. I, I don't remind me which one I. I'm shocked. Oh, I'm shocked, shocked to find the gambling is going on here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Rick says, "Why are you closing us down? What's going on?" <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know, he was told to shut him down. He goes, "I don't know how. There's no reason to shut him down." And yeah, he says, uh, "Yeah, I'm shocked. Shocked to find that gambling is going on in here." And then somebody comes up behind him and says, "You're winning, sir." <laughs> He goes, oh, thank you very much. Everybody out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, too funny. I love the, um, there's a character who just, he's just thrown in there to add Mm. atmosphere, but also humor. And Mm. he's always going around talking to people and manages to put his arm around their shoulder or lean up and put his hand on his shoulders from the front or the back. Well, he's Mm. a pickpocket. Mm. And he's very trustworthy. And every time you see, then somebody's going, well, I thought I had my wallet. Did I leave it at the hotel? He's going to pay for the drinks now. And this guy, at one point, and that's all a buildup to when he's trying to get away from somewhere and he bumps into the waiter, Carl, and goes, oh, excuse me very much, and kind of pushes off and leaves. And Carl instantly stops and feels all his pockets and just kind of nods to himself and goes, oh, okay, and goes on with what he's doing uh-huh. because he didn't. T- he knows he's a pickpocket and he didn't take anything. But he's instantly, let me check myself, uh-huh. did he get anything? Yeah. It's just cool. there's, there's little sight gags like that, you mm-hmm. know. Um, mm-hmm. And one of my favorites is this sweet little German couple, and they're, they're ready, they're going to, fly to Lisbon tomorrow so they can go to America. So they've only been speaking English with, with each other. And they <laughs> are going to show Carl, because I think they're all Austrian or German. They're going to show Carl how good their English is. And the husband says, Liebchen, oh, sweetness, heart, what watch? And she looks at her watch and says, 
10 watch. And he says, so much, such much. And Carl goes, Hmm, we'll get along beautiful in America. <laughs> and they're so proud and happy. Oh, man, yeah. And they're both so sweet and they're mm. so funny. And it also goes to show the wide range of people who are in this predicament. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. It's just, it's there's all these little touches that kind of lighten it up and keep it from being a big sob story. Mm. Or And it's not noir, but it's kind of almost got that feel with some of the dialogue and the fact that the way light and dark is used, the shadows, mm. especially like when Rick's opening the safe. Oh, yeah. Um, that was cool. You know, you see, you see uh, like, Major Renault because Rick's getting money out to give to the croupier. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you just see Rick is shadow on the wall. Mm-hmm. And they use shadow and light a lot on Rick and Ilsa mm. to illustrate their mood or enlightenment or the spotlight is always there yeah. to remind us <laughs> this is occupied territory. At one point, Victor's looking out of the window and he pulls the blinds a little, but not so much they close, but so much that they look like prison bars across them in the shadows. Mm, right. Yeah. Um, so it's wow. it's really and it's Michael mm. Curtis, I think is how you say his name, is the director. Mm. And he was one of these, you know, he was a studio director, but he was one of these really good ones. That's cool. Do you remember um long ago, um was it Turner Classic Movies that colorized Casablanca? And there was, was like a huge yeah, there was a Excuse huge backlash. They were like, No, it's <laughs> You can't do that. You know, all the stuff that you're saying is lessons, you know, uh, yeah. it loses all of what you just said. Um, yeah, you could totally be artists. Yeah, people um, are working with the medium they're working with. Let it be. Right. Yeah. And he was he was one of those guys who he introduced uh, his own visual style. So his lighting... Uh, people will talk about the the Curtis camera push mm. and it's this fluid movement and these crane shots and these weird angles that he would use. And um, he also would do every kind of movie. Mm. I mean, film noir, war, Western musical. Well, because like uh, the adventures of Robin hood with Errol Flynn, yeah. which I don't like, mm. but um <laughs> Everybody loves it but me. Um, all these, you know, Mildred Pierce, this big, that's a big drama, uh, comedies, We're No Angels, you know, uh-huh. yeah. all these things. He was just one of those workhorses that everything he did, he brought his own style to that elevated it. I really, obviously, admire him. Mm-hmm. And that's something that the studio system fostered because where else are you just going to get all this work and you have to learn to be versatile and Mm. learn to get the most out of a script where you go, oh, brother, what are we going to do? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and that's cool. You know, yeah, it's just a place where you can learn the craft and try things out and, you know, I have no idea how many movies that person made, but, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, so, yeah, Michael Curtiz, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was. I think he was Hungarian. Oh wow, that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So yeah, so I click. He's got 179 credits as a director yeah. in IMDb. So yeah, they there were was just, just like them out. pumping him out. Yep, amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How hilarious! He even had um, uh, stage names as directors. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. You know, so I'm looking at it. It says you know. So he directed this one as uh, Curtis Mihaly. 
So maybe he changed his name at some point. Because Mihaly would probably be Michael yeah. in Hungarian. Okay. Yeah. And then it was Michael Curtiz. Uh huh. And then he, yeah. So that's exactly what happened. He just re respelled it to C U R T I Z from K E R T E S Z. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He came to America. Oh, mm-hmm. one last thing is that I loved the love everyone had for America and the hope. You know, if we could just get to America, says the Bulgarian lady, mm-hmm. you know, the German couple, look how old they are, but they're going to go to America. Everybody wants to go to America. And of course, part of the subtext is America's being neutral. America needs to get in this war, but you still see that. Mm-hmm. All these refugees still want to come here. And for all the people who talk about all the things that are wrong with us, I think they're not wrong about some of that, but they forget to balance it with what's good about it. Mm. Or they only frame it in, well, yeah, there's this too. We need to also have things to be proud of. And watching this movie, I was proud. Mm. It me did too. make me, yeah, mm. yeah. It makes you go, yeah, we can give you a better place. Come to us. We'll take you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it felt good. It felt, you know, right. This is kind of how things ought to be. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, the Catholic Church's stance on refugees is, um, You've got to help the stranger. I mean, that's mm-hmm. been that way back to the beginning of the Torah. Yeah, right. It's There's so many things in there about, remember, you were slaves in Egypt. Mm. You be kind to the stranger. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean, and I'm not going to get into, you know, legalities versus illegals versus, because I, I, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about right now, here, the strangers that you find that need help, that need something better. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. And those people yeah. exist in our lives all the time, whether they're refugees or just people who we should lend a hand to. Yeah, right. They, they come in and out of your life all the time. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, as I'm USA, looking at the, yeah, USA. USA, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the list of this fellow's uh, credits, and one of the last movies he made was Francis of Assisi. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, hmm. Starring uh, Bradford Dillman. I, I, I don't recognize the oh, actors. Yeah. I kind of actually have a mental image of maybe he was in a lot of TV also at the yeah. time. Yep, 1961. Okay. So, yeah, that might be one to look yeah. up. It looks like it was based on uh, uh, Ludwig von Wohl's The Joyful Beggar. Oh, I love his books. Yeah. Yes. So very Von good. Wall's books about saints are really good, usually. Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, and one thing I could recommend to people, and you you know we've done this, or I, our family has done this, we we did a thing where we watched all the James Bond movies in mm. order, yep, which yep. was very illuminating. <laughs> but that led us to then watching all of Billy Wilder's movies, mostly, mm, right. in order. Yeah. And now we're watching William Wyler's movies in order. And he's more like a Michael Curtiz, where he did a lot of movies and a lot of them were different. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to do that and see what you start to recognize, mm. even in a movie that's not the best movie, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, and it might be interesting uh, for people to pick, like, here's a time period for Michael Curtiz. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. What did he direct right before Casablanca? And then after, and then after that. Um, mm-hmm. It's especially interesting when you're watching all different movies from somebody. Right. Yeah, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a fun, just mm-hmm. a fun thing yeah. our family does. So. Well, fun. Cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, thanks right. for picking this movie. Now, now you, we, we changed the order. We talked about this briefly last time, but we changed the order because our next thing is A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls. And uh, can you talk about why you wanted to see Casablanca before we go into that? Yes, I was surprised when reading that book to find that Casablanca plays a key part in it hmm. toward the end of the book. Okay, well, good. And I thought, you know, it will mean that much more to us if we've seen the movie and uh-huh. thought about it a little bit so we can kind of see the resonances it has in in its place there. Very good. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that very much. Well, good. I hope so. <laughs> it's um, It's a surprisingly... Compelling book for me and uh, light while still being able to look at Soviet Russia, which I think is an accomplishment not many people can pull off. <laughs> so kind of like Casablanca and the refugees now that I think mm-hmm. about it. Well, cool. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, <Okay>. great. <laughs> well, thanks for picking this movie. Um, yeah, well, you're, of course, I'm glad you liked it. A, a big joy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's so much yeah. fun. Every time I watch it, I love it more. Yeah. Yeah. I liked how Ebert said... This is like, uh, in fact, I can call up his words here. He said, seeing the film over and over again, year after year, I find it never grows over familiar. It plays like a favorite musical album. The more I know it, the more I like it. Yeah. Yes. Just cool. Yeah. And that's how I felt. I found myself watching different performances, different characters. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, There's so much to see because they'll make even... A small character, somebody you see more than once, like the Spanish guitar player. Uh-huh. So that when she's reacting to something later, even though it's just for a minute, you've already seen her enough to know what's going on with her a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Love it. That's great. Oh, good. That's okay. really good. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.